0: Lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let Lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on Lifelock Ultimate Plus at Lifelock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: This is Jenny Allen and you are listening to the Made for This podcast.
2: Want to thank Pros for their continued support of Made For This. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Go to pros.com slash made for this to take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. We are so honored that Dr. Bob Cutillo has joined us again today for part two of a two-part series that he is doing with Jenny. Dr. Bob wrote a book called Pursuing Health in an Anxious Age, and you can get it on Amazon or on crossway.org. But if you haven't listened to the first part, go back, listen to episode one with Dr. Bob, and then listen to part two. So here we go. Here's Dr. Bob Cutillo and Jenny.
0: I think that one of the things that we are kind of walking around, but I I think maybe we want to speak head on to is the fact that, you know, we live in the um, sort of like, I would say, how do we find health between two worlds? And what I mean by that is that we live in a world that we, we find we wish were different. We hope for a world that is not what it is. And there's that gap or that tension between the world as it is and the world as we wish it would be is part of the stress and tension of living in the world. And maybe why some people have become more, more sad and depressed lately is that they feel that gap between the way the world ought to be and the, wor- the way the world is, is getting bigger. And they don't know how to live in that gap. And I feel like as Christians, the biblical worldview addresses that very specifically and calls us to a very distinct way of living in between two worlds and finding health between two worlds. And that means understanding that the world as it is, is groaning. No wonder, our bo- no wonder we groan. Meanwhile, we groan. So the scriptures are full of this completely deep understanding that we live in a gap where we are wishing for and waiting for Christ to return. But until then, we're being asked to live in this imperfect, corrupt world that's groaning, in which accidents happen. Uh, sicknesses come, and people die. And we don't necessarily know what to do with that unless we have hope, Christian hope. And so ultimately, the answer to living in the gap is Christian hope and practicing resurrection on a daily basis. And so I think the idea that we need to bring in the theological perspective a little bit more deeply here if we're going to get help people to live in the in-between. Otherwise, that gap, is just gonna get larger and larger and people are gonna fall deeper and deeper into these lonely places where they don't see any way out. And um, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that um, after, I don't know, almost hundred years of life expectancy increasing in the United States, the last few years has actually turned down for the first time in like three or four years. And except this happened before the pandemic, but the pandemic contributed to it. But much of it was what they call deaths by despair, meaning that more and more people were overdosing on drugs and misusing alcohol. And it all came from this increasing loss of purpose and a sense that, that you could live in that gap between the way things are, which seem to be getting worse, and the way things ought to be. And so we have to really uh, invite people into a solid understanding of Christian hope.
1: Do you feel like there are ways, like when you look at the Western healthcare system, Ways that we should be approaching health differently in general? Like, just d- don't speak about this from a theological perspective, just practically speaking, what do you wish it was like for us with our health?
0: Well, I mean, I would think that one of the things would be that we would um, desire a healthcare system that is uh, continuing to do a great job uh, seeking greater and greater opportunities to produce health out of sickness or to. Mm provide remedies for for troubles. and you know we've we've lived in a scientific age now and so we have had great advances. and um, to share personally right now my my wife has uh, incurable stomach cancer. We've been walking this uh, road for almost three years. Uh, Ten years ago, mm. she would have been dead after a year but some of the newer uh, medications that are available in the oncology world are, are mm-hmm. helping her to live longer. But what I would want to emphasize as a Christian is, and what Heather, my wife and I are constantly doing, is we are not putting our hope in the medical system. We are appreciative of these new medicines, but we also don't expect them to just sort of give Heather whatever it is she, she needs and we can fix this. But we are thankful. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that ultimately, if you decide that you are in control of your health, you lose the ability to be thankful and to wonder at what God is doing. So when we receive a benefit from the medical care system, we know that the medical system has done great things. And we know that the scientific understanding of our bodies has increased dramatically. And we think that is a wonderful thing. But as Christians, our first thing is praise God that this medicine is working. Because there's no guarantee it would work. There's no promise it would work. Medicine can't make promises; it can't keep. So we can be thankful and realize that it's God who is doing this, is using these medicines. And so part of what I would like to see in the in the West is, is that we appreciate these advances, but that we don't lose track of the fact that ultimately. It's God who has given us the curiosity to discover these things. And it's God who alone produces the healing. Because anytime I take a medicine and it has a 95% chance of working, there's a 5% chance it won't work. And so if I'm just going to depend upon medicine, I have to always be thankful to God. And I think the inability to be thankful instead of being expectant, like you expect the medical system to fix you, is a fatal flaw in our approach to health in America.
1: Let's talk a little bit while we're on medicine about medicine for mental health. Tell me just your thoughts about that as a go-to for many people right now that are seeking relief from anxiety or depression.
0: Right. Well, I think that there is, again, a portion of mental health that is um, amenable to um, traditional medical care, um, the use of medicines, certainly uh, a range of, of more supportive care that can be available. But I also want to emphasize that when you lose track of where you're placing your hope, or if you are over, you're expecting medicine to bandage all of your wounds, whatever they are, then you can become a victim of over-medicalization, meaning that medicines are used for things that really are not amenable to a simple manipulation of the neurochemicals in your brain. Now, they may be an adjunct, but if we neglect the fact that mental health is a broad, it goes back to what I was saying about uh, life and community, that our mental health problems have increased as we become a less communitarian uh, supportive society. And so as we become more cold to other people, as society is more cold to the to the people that I used to care for, that is disenfranchised, to see the coldness of people towards others, if we don't do anything to boost the, the care of our society and the desire for each one of us to care for others, then we are not going to be very mentally healthy. And the last point I would make is that it just turns out that your mental health, the more that you care for others, the better for your own mental health. Like sometimes we think mental health is just I need to care for myself. But it turns out that the more that we are thinking about someone else's problems and trying to help them it has a very positive effect on our own well-being, And so it turns out that health is not an isolated pursuit. Health is something we do in community and we gain health not only by other people helping us, but we helping others. Those things are really crucial to mental health. And if we neglect those and just say, medical system, can I have a pill please for this? We are minimizing and we are doing a very strong reductionism of our health. Mm.
1: You know, I, I think a lot of people listening do take medicine for mental health and probably are asking themselves after that, just do I, what am I missing? What, what am I not doing? What do you recommend as when you would have to prescribe someone, you know, a Prozac or something, what would you encourage your patients to do in conjunction with that, with medicine?
0: Well, in conjunction with that would be, again, um, looking for Ways to um, trying to be as particular as I can. Um, Let me take a person I'm thinking of right now who uh, would come into the, who was a homeless person uh, and who um, really had no community. And so one of the things that our healthcare system that was caring for this population was doing was inviting folks um, into groups, uh, a sharing context in which, you know, what you're going through and you hear other people going through similar things. Uh, can be a big help. And we used to always feel like the medicines were going to work a whole lot better if the person was surrounded by someone who cared for them. Because no matter how many medicines you take, if you think that no one cares for you, it's unlikely you're not going to stop being depressed. And I think that there are just a lot of people in our culture who think that no one cares for them, that that no one loves them. And that's powerful. And so we have a God who tells us that we are the apple of his eye, that he delights in us. How do we embody that in the world? Because, you know, God has asked us to embody his love. So are we doing that as a Christian community? Um, It's going to help a lot of people. And then maybe the the Prozac or the Alexa or whatever it is you're taking. The other thing I would say is when we used to prescribe these things, part of it is, is it helping? In other words, in other words, when you start a medicine, you don't just start it and then never stop it you started and you, you have a, 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 we used to do a a, a testing to see like what, what, what level person was at. And then after six weeks on the medicine, you retest to see if there's improvements. And because some people get stuck on these medicines and never got off of them. You have to prove that they're valuable before you just stay on them. But once they're proved to be valuable, you may need to stay on them for a while, but Mm -hmm. just get on them and not, not stay on them. And, and, and I'm going to be honest that, you know, when my wife was at the lowest point with this cancer journey, and I was wondering what, what, Whether I was having a, a, I mean, I knew I was depressed, I was grieving in very deep ways, but um, I wondered if maybe I had a biochemical depression and I did seek help from my physician and I did try some medications, but I realized after a certain time that they weren't helping and so I stopped them. That's another thing that one needs to do that starting something may also lead to stopping if it's not helping. And then there might be another medication, there might be another change in the situation. But I guess the strongest statement I can make is that we cannot isolate mental health from the isolation and the loneliness and the sense that people feel uncared for in our society.
1: Again, I said it last episode, guys, I didn't even know he was going to say all this about community, but I love it.
2: intentionally trying to take better care of my hair and let's get real good hair days are just a good start to the day sometimes pros has helped my hair be shinier smoother softer and the smell of my pros shampoo is hands down the best smelling shampoo that i've ever used we've teamed up with pros and they're offering 15 percent off your first order at pros.com made for this the cool thing about pros is that they've given over 1 million consultations with this in-depth hair quiz which is how i got started so they ask you questions about if you color your hair or not Um, if it's naturally thinner or thick and full or curly, but then they get like really unique questions like where you live, if it's humid or dry, your eating habits, and then they analyzed all my answers and determined what unique blend of ingredients should be in every part of my special hair routine. They analyze over 85 personal factors about your hair and they determine a unique blend of ingredients to treat all of those concerns. And then between orders, You can review and refine, so it lets me tweak my formulas in case there's any change in the season or hair color. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've ever had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash made for this for your free in-depth
1: hair consultation and 15% off. All right, now I wanna talk about what someone does that's going, I haven't had a physical in ages. I don't know what's going on with my body. Give them just encouragement to to know what's happening as much as they can with their body.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, I feel like um, if... You are, uh, again, this again depends upon age and other status, but uh, certainly a routine physical of a healthy person who's 25 years old is not that big an issue. I mean, you don't have to run to the doctor to get a physical just because you're 25 and you haven't had one for a year. I don't, I don't encourage just random physicals. What I do encourage is, um, as you age, you pay attention to some of the um, things that are more appropriate for your age in terms of uh, being able to do some preventive health care and, and some of the things that can be done to uh, assess your health at particular ages, whether it be your risk for heart disease or cancer or whatever, there's all kinds of things like that. But what I would mostly emphasize is being someone who pays attention to your body. And I'm gonna use an example of a, a friend of mine who was a Christian leader in an organization um, and has been healthy most of most of his life, but he began to have you know, low back pain. And he was just trying to, you know, write it off. Uh, and 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 because it, when he was younger, it didn't matter and he could get through it. But I, I told him, I said, you know, when you begin to have a, a symptom in your body you should be paying attention to it. You should be asking, what does it mean? And it may mean, and I don't mean to then say, start worrying. I mean, the Bible makes it clear, clear, very clear. Fretting does no one any good. And worry does not add a single cubit to your life. And in fact, if we're going to believe modern research, worrying actually does the opposite. It takes away uh, health from your life and, 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 uh, and uh, quantity and quality of life. Not to create worry, but to understand, that again, the body is the a gift my body's hurting right now. What is it trying to tell me? How do I listen to my body? Well, I think the first thing you're going to go and you're going to see your physician and you're going to get a physical assessment of your low back pain and you're going to see where that part plays. You may find that you have no structural problems after the workup, but you may find that what's happening is that you are sitting wrong in your chair. I mean, it's a postural issue or it's a physical therapy issue and you get some physical therapy maybe you're going to find out that God is speaking to you through your body and the fact that you are a person who's taking on too many responsibilities. You've overloaded yourself. You're trying to carry more than you're supposed to carry. You are not entrusting more of what you're doing to God's way, and you're just trying to do it all on your own. And that's part of why you're having back pain. So you can see how listening to your body can teach you and ultimately, I think, help us to discern what God is doing in our lives. And I I think ultimately to use understand your body is that gift that God speaks to you through is a wonderful thought if you Mm -hmm. pay attention to it.
1: I'm so grateful, Dr. Cutello. And I mean, just selfishly, what I want to hear you say here as we close, two things. Number one, give everybody a little kick in the pants to prioritize their health. Because I think there's a lot of people listening. I was just with a friend the other day that she's 43 and still hasn't gotten a mammogram. Like She knows she's supposed to have done that three years ago. Just... Kick some people in the pants that need to go and make a doctor's appointment and just get things looked at and checked out. And then also, I want you to close with just your passion and heart for the people that are listening that are maybe going through something like your wife. You know, their body isn't working, and there's no doctor that can fix it. And, and we're just sitting here with what we're we've been dealt and given.
0: Well, I, I think that the the kick in the pants should come simply from the realization that God has given you your body as a gift. If it's a gift, it's meant to be nurtured, Uh, to neglect the body, to act like, again, it's just an appendage that you have that you don't have to pay attention to because you feel it's working about the way you want it to, that I would just encourage each person to see that God has given you the body as a gift. Um, We can use a scriptural statement that is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that how you treat your body, what you do with your body, how much alcohol you consume, uh, whether you smoke or not, whether you exercise or not, all of these things should be done not to possess the body, to control the body, but to nurture it, to care for it because God has given it to you as a gift and it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And so you might as well take care of it right now from the beginning. And so if you haven't had a chance to get a checkup for a while, Feel free to do that. You don't necessarily have to get tons of tests. I don't recommend tons of tests on a healthy person, but you just see what your doctor's recommendations are. And you, I mean, again, it's not, again, I don't want to turn it into a mechanical attitude like a car. Oh, I have had my- Take like my car for yeah, years. to change the oil. Please don't look at your body that way, because yeah. that's it's the attitude that I'm trying to stress here. It's a it's a gift that you are to nurture, because in eternity God is going to raise your body. It's going to be imperishable, but it's going to be from the seed of this body that will come the imperishable body that you will live in for for eternity. And as Christ has a body, so do we. And let's care for it. Um, as far as when your body begins to break down and there are no simple cures, uh, I again want to emphasize that, um, God is good and God never stops caring for us, even in the limitations of our body. And often through the limitations of our body, he's speaking to us. And so as, um, you know, my wife and I are walking this journey with cancer, that we know is not curable, but is treatable, and and has had great response. We have developed a deeper relationship with with God in terms of gratitude, just being thankful for His tender mercies every day. And I guess where I would add, and in terms of my passion, is there's a there's an Old Testament word has said, which means um, it's translated basically either um, steadfast love or unfailing love. And it appears 250 times in the over 250 times in the Old Testament, but more than 130 in the Psalms. And so you gotta go to the Psalms to get a realistic view of life. And what it says is that we do the psalmist is the most honest person we can read in the Bible. And they cry out to God or in anguish often. For the circumstances that they are of the world or of their individual lives. And I think any of us who are in a situation that like my wife and I right now, we anguish over the circumstances of our days. But the psalmist never gives up believing that God is there with them on a daily basis. And that word steadfast love comes up over 130 times in the psalms because the psalmist knows that ultimately God's steadfast love new every morning. And it's and some of the psalms are very direct, they say. First thing in the morning, Lord, please give me a sense of Your steadfast love, and I can keep going. And so I think ultimately, knowing that God is a God who keeps His covenants is a promise-keeping God. And it says in um, in Corinthians that no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Jesus Christ. Right. God's promises are what we depend upon. He is a yeah. promise maker and a promise keeper. And every day. We find something to be thankful for, and we're always becoming more sensitive to where God's steadfast love is showing up today, because we just need to deal with today.
2: If you want to read more from Dr. Bob Cutillo, you can find his book, Pursuing Health in an Anxious Age. That's on Amazon, and I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes too. We love hearing from you. And one of the ways that we can do that is when you subscribe, rate, and review the show. And so we would be so grateful if you went and left us a review and a rating because that's how other people find the show on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. But Jenny and I read every single one of them and we would love for you to go do that today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast.